This episode is brought to you by my template shop on Etsy. That's right. I heard your feedback a couple months back and opened up a template store for all you Etsy lovers, and I have been blown away by the feedback so far. While all of my templates and bundles listed are already included inside my Playmaker Society monthly membership, now you have the option of purchasing these resources a la carte as you need them, which is perfect if you're not quite ready to jump in and join our Playmaker community quite yet. These templates and trainings start at just $7, are professionally developed and proven to work, and can save you hundreds of hours and dollars because, like you've probably heard a million times, there is no need to reinvent the wheel, especially when I have already created highly effective operations documents and templates and optimized them over the years to be exactly what you need in your business, exactly when you need them. Head to the show notes to browse my a la carte templates on Etsy starting at just $7 right now. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, I have a guest expert interview for you on the podcast today. Now, if you prefer to watch and if you're a more visual person, I'm also posting this on my YouTube channel right now. The link is already going to be in the show notes for this episode, but I'm just an audio person. It's so much easier for me to just pop my headphones on or my earbuds in and do the laundry or make dinner. So again, I wanted to present this information in both audio and video formats depending on what you prefer. And there will also be a blog about this in a couple of days if you just want to get the highlights and read them. So check the show notes for that link if it's already there and available to you. So today I am so excited for this guest expert. We have Kelly Nolan on the podcast. She is the founder of The Bright Method, which is essentially a tool and a system for organizing your life and all of your tasks as a business owner, but also as a spouse, a partner, a parent, maybe a caregiver. Because I know for me, this is something that to this day, I still struggle with. I wear so many different hats in my life. And sometimes even with the best the best task management software, which we're going to talk about throughout this episode and this conversation, even with the systems that I have, it still feels like it's always something. There's always a bill that comes up or a school concert or a field trip or my parents want to get together or we have something family related or you know, who knows, dentist appointments, doctor appointments. It can all just feel like so much sometimes. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you because I know I'm not alone in this. So in this conversation, we're going to talk about how to prioritize tasks, how to organize tasks, and just how to live your life with more ease so you don't feel like any balls are being dropped. And so you feel like a present person in all of the different roles in your life. So if you want any of Kelly's resources that we're going to talk about throughout this episode, check out the show notes. I've linked them all. I enjoy this conversation so much, and I know that you're going to find it as practical and as helpful as I did. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kelly Nolan. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So let's get started by letting everybody know a little bit more about you and who you serve and what your business is. Great. Well, my name is Kelly Nolan. Um, I was an attorney for many years before I left to start my own business. And essentially, I had been decently organized through law school and then got quickly overwhelmed as a practicing attorney. And I mean, on the outside, I looked like I had it together, but inside I was stretched way too thin. I was constantly worried I was going to drop a ball. I would be like trying to pay attention to a friend and then like have these like work thoughts taking me away. And just was like, this cannot be how this is supposed to feel. And I kept looking for time management, like task management help and was striking out. And then over time, I started kind of piecing together my own weird little system that I thought was helping me catch up to kind of where everybody else was. 
and kept practicing law. And it wasn't until years later that I realized other people felt like I felt and were interested in the system. And I left law to teach it. And now this is what I teach. It's the bright method. It's how I manage time and tasks. And I really, really love nerding out on it and getting to do what I do. It's super rewarding. Well, I'm so excited to kind of dig into this. So you mentioned that other people were kind of feeling the same way that you were. So what were some of like the common problems that you were feeling and that you were noticing in others? Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure thing. I think that, I mean, time management is just this funny thing that we kind of think we should naturally know how to do. It should be easy for us. Uh, We're not really taught on how to do it. Or if we were, we were taught maybe in middle school when we like used a planner and used a to-do list and our life was a lot easier. Like people made meals for us and we went from classroom to classroom. (laughs) And that's just kind of the system we were taught and that we kept going with, like modified in different ways, maybe with technology, but essentially the same type of system. And I just don't think it's designed to keep up with a working professional's schedule and life, like personal and professional. And so I think that that's the tricky part is that we feel like we should know how to do it. When we don't, there's a lot of shame. We blame ourselves. And instead of realizing, oh, it's just a system. If I can just change out my system, I'll feel a lot better. I like to think of it as like your overwhelm and stress is just a system failure. It's not a character flaw that you have with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I've definitely felt that both in my professional life and in my home life and in my business. So do you kind of notice that when somebody struggles with time management, that it kind of bleeds from their professional life to their personal life as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't know. It it can they each have ripple effects on the other. For some people, the personal life is more of the sore spot. Um, and they feel more confident managing it all at work, but it can also be the flip. And then for some people it's working well. And then at some point it's the combination of the two become untenable. It's like, if I could only do personal, if I could only do professional, be fine. But it's just this like tension between all, like I'm supposed to play all these roles and be in all these different places. Uh, that tension can create a breaking point. So, you know, it can be like a promotion or, you know, starting a new business or something like that, or it can be another kid or, you know, whatever it might be, everyone's different. There's like a tipping point. But to your point, I do think that to get the peace of mind and the clarity that we want, we have to address both because they do have ripple effects into each of the other. I mean, we all know it. You come home from a bad day of work, it's hard to be present with friends and family and let it go. Um, if you feel like you're neglecting your personal life because of work, you're stressed about your personal life when you're at work and it interrupts your ability to focus. So we do need to get like a handle on both to get where we want to go. Absolutely. And for me, it was, I always had my business and professional life very well managed, like almost to a T, like almost, you know, I would get constant compliments on how organized and how on task I was. And then I would come home and, you know, it would be a completely different story. So yeah, I completely relate to that. So one question I have is in your method, and I know we'll get into all of this, but do you ever loop your partner into it or involve your spouse or anything like that? Or is there any way that we can kind of figure out where we might be in need of help with task management? Yeah. So in regards to partners, if you have a partner, I think that, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I'm a huge believer in a digital calendar. I am a paper lover, just to be clear. I like have paper all over my desk right now. I used a paper planner through law school, but kind of along those lines of, you know, what tools can keep up with our life. I do think a digital calendar is a game changer in that regard, partly to go to what you're talking about of, the communication ability of a digital calendar and sharing, you know, specific calendars with your partner and helping them understand who's doing pickup and drop off and things like that. So you're not the constant, like telling everyone what's going on person can be a real game changer. Um, it also, and I might be going off a little topic. One thing I like to do is get really clear about all the things you are managing and making them visual in your calendar. And that can get overwhelming and we can talk about that and we can get very busy in your calendar. But the beautiful part of that is that you then can show your partner all of the things you're juggling and it can help bring you both on the same page of like, these are all the things I'm doing. And this is why if you took one or two of these things off my plate, it would really help me. 
I think it helps partners understand all that you're juggling and therefore how they might help and motivates them to help versus, you know, I, and I think this is very understandable when you come home and you're like, I just, I'm just overwhelmed and I need help. And I don't, I don't know what I need help with, but I need help. And that's hard for someone to pick up and run with in a real way. And so if you can get specific and a calendar, I think really helps you do that. Then that's where a lot of that game changing magic can happen on the personal side in terms of sharing all that load. Yeah. And I would love to get into that because I really didn't realize that my professional life and my personal life was so kind of mismatched in terms of my priorities and organization. So that's kind of why I brought up that topic. But when it comes to, you know, being very open and honest about all of the different things that we're juggling, do you have any suggestions about how we can actually put some of these things on paper? Because some things like, you know, making the kids lunches or like, you know, making coffee in the morning, like doing laundry, like some of that stuff might not always end up on our to-do list. So do you have any recommendations there? Well, you nailed it by saying that is that one of the biggest mistakes, and I I feel like mistakes sounds like there's blame. No one taught us how to do this. So it's just one of those things that we didn't know how to do is often not accounting for what I think of those as the invisible to-dos. And it's exactly what you're saying is it's all the things that we need to do that never make it onto a to-do list typically never make it into our calendar, but literally take up hours of our day. And so for some people they've tried, I'm a big believer in time blocking in a calendar, like all the things you need to do. And if you've tried that in the past and struggled with it and you're like, this didn't work for me, part of that frustration comes in because you're like, okay, I'm going to be at work from this time to this time, or I'm home from this time to this time. And I'm going to do these one-off projects that I need to do. Like, you know, get back to this one person, call this one person, but, and so we start filling up our day with all of those, but we forget about those invisible to-dos. And so what I like to start with is we have them in both our personal and our professional life. So at home, you know, what are typically the repetitive things you do typically in the mornings and the evenings that do take up hours of your day, like showering and getting ready, packing school or camp, camp lunches, walking a dog maybe twice a day if you have them. And I know that sounds silly because you're like, you want me to put that stuff in my calendar, but it's one, it reduces our mental load by a lot because you're not, it's that's the stuff that just lives in our head. But also it helps us see the container of time we have to give to other things. And also again, it helps you have those conversations where once you see it plotted out, you're like, okay, so this is why my mornings are crazy. It's too much. There's no way I'm gonna do all this. So what could I break off and give to someone else? What could I eliminate entirely? What could I reduce the frequency of? We, you know, you can get creative with what you do with that. But the awareness of all of that stuff is really powerful uh, because you can run with it. And then on the personal side, just to wrap it up, because you're like, what are you talking about? On the personal side is all the repetitive things we do as business owners in our business, like from checking email to any HR type things you need to do and running payroll. And just if you think, sit down and really plot out on just a blank piece of paper, what do I do every day? What do I do every week? What do I do every other week? What do I do once a month for my business? And then start plotting that out in your calendar. It starts quickly becoming clear of like, oh, I have a lot less time to give to the one-off things than I thought. And that's frustrating, but it also helps you be realistic on your plans and then also make modifications of you're like, this isn't working for me. I need to outsource, delegate some of the stuff or eliminate stuff also. Yeah, absolutely. And I have managed to put all of my personal tasks in Asana. So that's something that I've really been doing recently. And just seeing all of those tasks that are taking up all of that time in my morning, it's actually helped me kind of say, what can I do the night before? Because for me, I'm most creative and most productive in the mornings. I was able to identify, you know, I'm doing all of these repetitive tasks that don't you know, really require any creative energy or anything like that. Can I move them to the night before so that I can change my morning around? So um, with the Bright Method, I know you talk about this on your podcast and I I love your podcast. So thank you so much for sharing that. But um, how can we kind of identify when we are most productive with those bigger tasks? So maybe not those mundane, you know, phone calls, empty dishwasher, make coffee, things like that. How can we kind of figure out which items those are on our to-do list and where we can kind of fit them in? I love that. So I love the, I think of it kind of like matchmaking. You want to, you know, not every task is the same, exactly what you're saying. And so you want to think about when is my energy good? When do I get in flow the easiest? 
um, and match make those, you know, high, you know, attention things to that period of time. And then do the like lower energy stuff when you're tired, exactly what you're saying. Um, part of it's an experiment and just kind of paying attention to your energy and also knowing that it changes, like it ebbs and flows. Like I'm totally a morning person in my ideal world. I would get up at like 5am work really hard to 11 and then like do more chill stuff the rest of the day. Cause like, that's kind of when I'm spent, but now I have two little kids now, like that's, that's just doesn't happen anymore. And so just know that it can change and that can be frustrating, but it is what it is. And so if you kind of, it's an experiment, you know, come up with when you think it will happen. Um, I like to think of that as kind of the high energy windows as being my focus time when I try and stay out of email, stay out of phone calls. Um, you might need to hide and not be in charge of your, you know, brick and mortar facility if that's you at that time. And you can aim for like twice a week. You try and get that focus time, um, period of time to do that deeper work. And then the rest of the time, you're more open to being interrupted. I think you also, as parents, you need to just also, as I said, like be realistic about, yes, your high energy time might be this period of time, but if you have kids during that period of time, you're going to have to shift for at some time, or you can try and get a partner and family to have that be in charge of the kids at that time. Um, And the last thing I'll say on thinking through when to do things, um, you know, as I said, it's just an experiment, unfortunately, is, and you kind of have to pay attention to what works best for you. But also sometimes it's not energy. Sometimes it's the logistics. So let's say when you you know that when you walk into work, your best energy is like eight to 12, but you walk in and that's when everyone has a question for you. There are a lot of curveballs that hit and things like that. Don't, you kind of have to embrace reality. Um, so don't try and force your high energy activities then when you know you're not going to be able to get to them and you're just going to feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall. I have some clients who are like, I'd rather do it then, but my fires are typically over by one o'clock. So let me just try and focus then. And so, you know, we kind of have to work with the realities, but experiment with it. And then again, know it will change over time. Yeah, absolutely. And I love remembering that it will change because I remember, so my kids are seven and nine now, well, almost seven and almost nine. But I remember I used to get so frustrated that I couldn't do my most creative, my most important work during that morning time. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's always going to be this way. And now it's not. Now it's completely shifted. And like, yes, it was that way for a couple years and it was extremely difficult to deal with, but now I'm in a completely different space and they're older now and now it's gone back. So what I usually tell people that are kind of in the thick of it with those like very little kids, if they're really feeling that frustration, I always say, you know, it is, it could change. So to keep that open mind. I love that. And I appreciate it. I have a almost two-year-old and a five-year-old. So I appreciate hearing that. <laughs> yes. yes. I That was the hardest time for me. So just knowing that there, it feels so long when you're in it. And then when you're on the other side, looking back, it's like, that wasn't so bad. You know, I was working, <laughs> you know, nights, but it wasn't so bad. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, I have my mornings back. And only when yeah. I talk to, you know, parents of young children, do I remember like, oh yeah, I did have to shift that. So it it's so temporary. It's much more temporary than people realize. So mm-hmm. to kind of get back to the whole prioritizing and tasks and things like that, do you have any recommendations for us around kind of organizing all of these to-dos in our head? I know you said you love paper, but is there a way that we can get kind of everything that's rolling around in our head so that we can see it, so that we can conceptualize it yeah. and then plan it out. Yeah. So just to be clear, I love paper, but I'm all for a digital calendar. So whether you use Google, whether you use Outlook, whether you use Apple, that digital calendar is so powerful. Um, what I would recommend doing is kind of first inventorying where do all of your action items live right now? And so you can think about this on the event side of things, like what, where do you keep track of your meetings and your phone calls, but then also your tasks, those to-dos, you know, are you using post-it notes? Are you using to-do lists? Are you using a task management app? Are you, does your email inbox contain a lot of them? Um, when we were talking about all the personal stuff, like how much lives in your head and just getting clear, first of all, on where are you keeping track of all of the things? Um, because I think that's a good first step to understand where you might want to go from there. What I encourage people to do is to streamline down as much as possible and 
just so that you're not, every time you're trying to figure out what to do next, you're not checking like six places. You have kind of one place to go and you're like, this is what I do right now. That doesn't mean you can't use those other th- places. So if you love an Asana or you like managing things, even on a paper and pen master to-do list, what we want to do is use a streamlined tool that's designed to manage time because all of those things require your time. We want to use that tool that's a digital calendar just to have those things bridged in. So, you know, I like, you know, going into a project management tool you know, once a week, twice a week, whatever makes sense to you and taking the tasks that you need to do in the next two weeks and making sure they're in your calendar and you have time blocked for them and things like that. So you can, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to like take all other tools away from you, but just bridge into your calendar, you know, bridge like, okay, this email I know is going to take me 45 minutes to get back to Let me calendar when I'm going to do that so that there's not just this like swirling other to-do list outside of your calendar that's stressing you out. There are a lot of reasons for this. Um, one of them is to, I just think when all of our action items are scattered across all these different places, we feel scattered because we don't have one place where we can see everything we have to do. So we don't have an understanding of everything we have to do or how we're going to get it done or like if we can get it done or if we can take a break tonight and get it done. And that is very stressful. Um, similarly, like I love to-do lists and asanas and things like that, but the the con of them is that kind of everything looks the same. You have to really look at them and do these mental gymnastics of like, what do I have time for? What do I have energy for? How long is that going to take me? Is that person working right now that I can do that task? That kind of stuff can choke us up and cause a lot of decision fatigue. And so when we can take those things that live in those other places and bridge them into a, our calendar you know, based on our energy or based on when an office is going to be open and that kind of stuff, that can help alleviate a lot of that constant decision making that we're doing. And so that can be really um, huge. So I'll stop rambling at this point, and I, but I can keep going in terms of kind of the, the method of how I would put things in a calendar to build it out in a more practical step-by-step way, if that's helpful. Absolutely. And I was going to say, I love Asana because I can organize it into like different boards So I have a business board that, you know, my spouse doesn't really need to be privy to. He doesn't need to know, you know, respond to this email, you know, make this call, things like that. But he needs to know like the high level things. So I have a personal board, you know, pick up son from camp, make lunches, things like that. So I love that I can organize it in that way. But I would love to know a little bit more about, again, how you prioritize tasks and how you communicate them. And a decision fatigue is something that, myself and so many of the people listening struggle with. So I would love to get more into that. Awesome. So what I recommend doing is first actually calendaring those invisible to-dos that we were talking about. I would start with the personal side um, because I think that kind of gives us our container of what our real like realistic time is to give to our businesses. Then I would put in the business stuff. So just to get break that down a little bit more. The personal side is, again, really thinking through the mornings, the evenings, typically. What are the repetitive things that I do every day or once a week or three times a week? And plot those out in your calendar. That one is helpful because it builds out that container. And again, you can make modifications if you plot it out and you're like, okay, this isn't as realistic as I thought, which is very helpful to know. (laughs) Then I would shift to the business stuff is really, you know, um, what are the repetitive business things I need to do in my business all the time? Again, plot them out in your calendar. It again builds out um, kind of the, you can see if it's realistic that you're trying to do all of that stuff. You can make modifications, you can eliminate things like that. That's also when I would start plotting in when you want to do that focus time. So when you're like twice a week for two hours, I really need to focus. I don't want to be interrupted. Like when would that be? And you can get intentional about that. Then is what that after you've done all that is when you want to start building in the one-off to-dos because only then do you understand what is the container of time I have to give to this stuff because that's again where we kind of trip up where if we haven't built out the invisible to-do list repetitive stuff we get overexcited about how much we can do and then we're like where did the day go <laughs> so that's that's only when you want to do it um, along those lines I teach a six-step process but essentially what you want to do is break down the projects into the bite-sized steps. And one thing I like to do to help you do that is like start your calendar entries for each of those things with an action verb. So instead of being like project A, you want to write, you know, research this issue, 
in relation to this, draft this thing if that's what I need to do or things like that. So you're really getting clear on what you're doing. This will help you estimate in a more realistic way. Um, it also just helps future you sit down and know what to do. So again, you're not like project A, like what was I, where was I, what am I supposed to do next? You can get really clear on that side of things. Um, and also it helps you when you create a game plan like that on the front end, you can communicate with your team on the front end, make sure it still works for everybody and or that it works for everybody much better to figure out if it doesn't on the front end than when you're in the throes of it. Um, and what I love about that too, is not only does it give you a realistic game plan over time of how you're going to get everything done, but when you start seeing again, all of your projects broken out, you get a more objective sense of your workload and you can understand whether it's realistic or not and then make some adjustments from there. It also then helps you see how your per professional life is interacting with your personal life, which is really critical. And then the last pillar that I teach, the kind of four pillars is like the personal invisible to-do list, the work invisible to-do list, these one-offs. The last piece is a weekly planning session that is Actually, it's so critical. It's like the hardest thing to do. I fully acknowledge it. It's like working out. You never want to do it, but when you do it, you're like, that was awesome. <laughs> but um, it is really, really critical. I am a big believer on typically a Friday planning session so that you feel that sense of I am on top of it all. And you get that clarity like going into your weekend. And if you don't observe traditional weekends um, because of you know the profession and the business that you run, um, just be clear on you know when is my when are my days off, and let me do it before that or on the early side of my days off, so that I get that clarity and that peace of mind for my time off instead of kind of that looming Sunday scary feeling. And then only getting the clarity when a lot of people plan on Sundays or Mondays and they get that clarity like just to go back to work. And so we want to get it to you so you can have it for the to be able to be more present at home with loved ones. Absolutely. And I want to talk about these planning sessions. So I to, so it sounds like you're kind of having these planning sessions with yourself, but mm -hmm. do you have any tips around how we can maybe integrate our partners or our, our spouses? Yeah sessions, because that was one question I had is, you know, all of this sounds great when we implement it for ourselves, but yep. if our partner isn't yet on board, it can kind of feel one-sided. Yep. So do you have any tips around involving our partners in these planning sessions and just in our everyday to-dos? Yep. So the, the main planning session, I, I call it the clean slate session, because I feel like you're like cleaning the slate next week. I do really encourage you to do it on your own. Um, partly it's because of what you do during it. Um, just, I never like to sugarcoat time management stuff. I feel like that was a, a hard part when I was struggling is people would be like, just batch. And then you go try and do it and you're like, what? And then you feel even more confused and worse about yourself. So it's hard. Planning sessions in my book take about an hour and a half to two hours every week, which is a tough pill to swallow. What I want you to hear is that you're kind of corralling a lot of the decision-making that you're already doing throughout the week. You're kind of corralling it into that two-hour session, but then you get to execute most of the rest of the time, which is really powerful. Um, what you're doing during that is you're essentially grabbing all the action items from all of the places that they live and bridging them into your calendar, creating a realistic game plan, backing out those deadlines that you might have in there, um, kind of seeing how it all interacts, kind of issue spotting where you might need more childcare help, things like that. What you can do during that time is then think, and I do that, you know, it's both personal and professional during that time because time is time is time is time. All these things pull on our time. So we need to do it all together. Then as you're doing that, you can create kind of a list of things that might be helpful to work through with a partner. And then I do recommend, especially if your partner is not using a digital calendar that integrates well with your system, you have a weekly planning session. Now, just to caveat that, like sorry, like a weekly planning session with your partner, more like 20 minutes, probably not like a full two hours by any means, but it's much more efficient when you've gotten clear on what you need help with over the next week and how things are going to roll over the next probably two weeks to be able to sit down with them and think, okay, this is how, like, this is where we really need help. This is what we need to talk about. And you can also add in other topics then as well, like finances, if there's anything that you want to revisit, any vacations you need to plan. Do we need to plan holidays? Like we're kind of corralling a lot of those logistical conversations that you have to have with your partner. But again, what I love about it is that it like then frees up the rest of your time from all of those conversations. Like I will save 
questions for that period of time so that I'm not, when my husband's home, I can just relax and have fun with them and not just be like peppering all the logistical questions that yeah, come for up for us. It's always all the time. Who's doing drop off. Yeah. And it's like, we have that conversation like multiple times a day. I would love to just be able to sit down one time per week, hash it out yep. put it on the calendar so that we don't have to talk about it the rest of the week because it's such a, it's such a big topic for us. Yeah. And what I would say is the more you can get someone into the system, the less critical those sessions can be because I have access to my husband's calendar and like I have the ability to, excuse me, put stuff on that calendar. So I will go through our, our every day looks different for us because he's an ER doctor. So he's like, oh, sorry if I hit my mic. Um, you know, he's in town sometimes and not in others. And it, it can be like every day looks different. And so I go through, you know, the next two weeks and I'm like, I'm doing pickup. He's doing pickup. I, you know, drop off, pick up, drop off, pick up. And I can put it all in the calendar and then it's all in there. And like, of course, we'll like sometimes clarify who's doing what, but it's in black and white or like fun Google calendar colors <laughs> of what, who's doing what. So there's less uh, room for someone to drop a ball in there. Absolutely. So I know that there are some of those like big items like drop off and pick up, like those have to get done. But when it comes to, you know, our super long to-do list, our wish list, I like to call it, how can we kind of prioritize what we have to do either in our personal life or our business so that we can decide, okay, what makes the list for today or for yep. this? How can we kind of go yep. through those tasks? So I have a podcast episode on prioritizing, I think it's episode four. So listen to that if you want any help with that. Um, the first is, as we've talked about getting clear on your capacity and just understanding like how ruthlessly do you need to prioritize? You know, do you have two hours a day or do you have like eight hours a day? That obviously depends on what you're able to take on. Um, but more to your question, when it comes down to like, okay, I'm clear on my capacity. I need to understand like what I can take on is really getting clear on what's your biggest goal right now. Um, and I am a big believer in like, one overarching personal goal at a time, if you want one, if you're happy, like just keep being happy. I don't think we all need to be striving for like always improving our life all the time. We're tired. Just enjoy it if you're happy. Boring, um, but on, boring is fine. <laughs> yeah. But if you're, you know, if you're on your business side of things, if you're going through a rebrand, a rebrand, you're trying to launch a new website. You're trying to get revenue in the door as fast as possible. You want to come out with a new offering. Just getting very clear on like what is your top, top priority right now. And that will help you evaluate all of the things that we all come up with as business owners that we might want to do and evaluate, is that serving that right now or is it not? And again, these things can be like for the next six months, this is my goal. For the next three months, this is my goal. It doesn't have to be like from here on out, I only focus on this. But I think getting that clarity of, you know, for me this year was I'm trying to grow my audience. And so when all of these different ideas came up, like a new product or a new thing or a new offering or I don't know, all these different things, I could just be like, my goal right now is growing my audience. Does this serve this? Yes or no. If it did, it would start going in the calendar. There were some things that went in there that I was like, well, that's you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like a podcast interview. Yeah, like that. But if there there are some things that even you might be like, yes, this serves this goal. But once you see it and start plotting it out in your calendar, you're like, yeah, I just, I don't think I have time for that. And you can make those decisions when you've kind of, there's real value in seeing tasks, like battle it out for space in your calendar. And you're like, well, I would love to do that one, but this one really has to get done. So that one's going to have to go for a while. And so that can really be powerful on that front. But I think having that clarity of what is the main overarching thing I'm working on right now and um, filtering all of the things you say yes to through that lens, obviously there's still the invisible to-dos that we all have to do to keep like, you know, the lights on, but really trying to streamline that as much as possible and get really clear on the one-off things that we say no and yes to. And I will say that having a platform like Asana is so valuable here because for me, I have like a business overview board that's kind of like my main thing and like 
the main product offerings I have and like the main projects I'm focusing on right now in light of that. But I also have a column that's like a back burner thing. And I know that I put things there that I'm deciding to let go of right now there. And I revisit it. You know, I think it's like once a quarter, I look at that column, but that's so nice because I think often we feel like we have to do these things or we're going to forget and it's never going to happen. And if, if you have a place that you can trust that you know you'll revisit and look at it later, then you're it's easier to let it go. So I'll just throw that out there for you that have a place where the things you say no to and the ideas you say no to go, like those things go to that you put in your calendar to look at it <laughs> so you don't totally forget about it. But you go look at it every three months and you can always pull out things that make sense at that time. It's a lot easier to let things go and say no. And those things look a lot less cool in three months. You're like, that I don't think that was exciting as I thought it would be. <laughs> so that's another way. It's a nice way to like kind of slow our roll and make sure that we're working on things that really are exciting and not um, like exciting in the long term and not just shiny in the short term. Yes. I was going to say shiny object syndrome is so real. I get that so often. And so many times I put something on the to-do list and then I continually like next week, next yes. week, next week. And then I'm like, it wasn't really necessary. So I completely relate to that. Yeah. And the next question was actually going to be about, you know, for those of us that have these really long to-do lists that seem never ending, like we're always pushing things back to next week, to next week, to next yeah. week. I was going to talk about and ask you about managing the anxiety that goes along with that. like where are these tasks sending up? Like, how can I, you know, almost battle, I want to say FOMO, like fear of missing yeah. out on these tasks. So do you have any recommendations other than having that, like, go-to board of our to-do, our, our wish list, I guess? Do yeah. you have any suggestions about how to manage that anxiety when our to-do list just seems never-ending? Totally. Um, one of the things you can do instead of just using that back burner board, because I put that more on like the big project ideas that, you know, any, you know what I'm talking about. Um, for those sitting right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> the whiteboard. <laughs> for, for the like long to-do lists and things that end up on there. What I like to do is actually, I think one of the, our tendencies is like, look for the urgent things first and start trying to figure out when we're going to do those. What I'd encourage you to do is to flip it and look for the things you can punt. And it doesn't mean it goes on your back burner. Like I'm never going to do this unless I revisit it in six months and decide to do it. There are things on there that you're like, I need to do this, but like it could wait two months. Like it could wait three months. And I think when you can see your capacity and you see that full, like you start seeing your calendar with all the things you need to do, all the invisible to do's and get just you know, embrace the reality of that you have much less time than you want to do this stuff. It's a lot easier to be like, okay, this realistically does not need to happen for two months. And it's not going to, because I have all these other things that I'm looking at that need to get done. So put those on your calendar for two months from now. That's again, also a beauty of a digital calendar is that you can easily go to three months from now, four months from now, six months from now, a year from now, and put something on your calendar. And I would just write things like, consider doing this or start the process of this. And I get it off my to-do list because now it's in a system that I can trust that will boomerang around when it's time to start thinking about that and start doing it. And I don't need to have it stare me down you know, for the next two months from a to-do list. And not just stare me down and stress me out, but also have me have to think about it every time. When am I doing this? All right, I'm not doing that for two months, so let it go. Just get it off your to-do list and put in a system that will help you. And do that on a smaller scale too. Like look at, if you're like, I need to call a pediatrician about something. If you look at your calendar and you're like, it's not that important. I'm probably not going to do it until Friday. Put it on the calendar until Friday. Get it off your to-do list for now. Like it's, there's these things that we've kind of decided we're not going to do until later, but we still keep right in front of us, stressing us out in all day heads. long. And they yeah. keep me up at night. Yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, just, I, I think of it like sprinkling your to-dos over time. Like we're, when we have it on a list, I don't understand the psychology, but we somehow think like, if I just work hard enough, I'll get it all done today. And so what we want to do is just like, I, I, we could maybe work on our brains about that and our thoughts, but in reality, just get those things off your calendar and put them into the future and let them go. So that's the first thing I would do. If you have an overwhelming to-do list and it's really stressing you out is put stuff 
as far into the future as you can. Even when you get to it, if you're like, yeah, I still don't really want to do that right now, get it out of there again. Like keep punting it into the future. That will give you more space for then the urgent stuff. And then you take that middle ground stuff and sprinkle it around, you know, for the next few weeks and things like that. What I want to say though, is um, there is anxiety around if I'm focusing on this right now, should I be focusing on something else that's more important? And that's very valid and fair. What I want to throw out there is that to get the benefits of this whole system and of time blocking as a general concept, I really believe you need to time block everything that you need to do, like everything. And we've talked about it from, you know, walking your dog and showering to when you're going to call a pediatrician to, you know, all of the work tasks that you have. And the reasons for that is that, I mean, there are a lot of reasons for it, but on this anxiety topic is you need to be able to trust that what you have in your calendar to do right now is the most important thing. Because if you have five other to-do lists that are not in your calendar and you get to that thing and you're like, that's where the anxiety sets in of like, well, what if things on those five other to-do lists are more important? And they might be like that, that anxiety is real, like, because maybe something on there is more important, but if you can take those things and bridge them into your calendar and be like, okay, I can do this tomorrow. That still works. I can do this in two days. That still works. I can do this later today. That still works. Then when you feel that feeling of, should I be doing something else? You're like, nope, the things that are important are in my calendar for later times. I really can focus on what I'm supposed to do right now. This will serve you well at work and helping you focus, but it also helps you be more present at home and relax and actually enjoy a break because you see how things get done over time and they don't all have to get done right now. And that's huge. That's that, that to me is the game changing piece of actually being able to enjoy breaks when we take them as well. Absolutely. And that's another reason why I love Asana, because I mentioned before that you can have like different boards for your personal life or business. So I know that my personal life is like teal color. So on my to-do list, I know that anything that has a teal dot next to it, like that has to be done, like pickups, drop-offs, baths, dinner. Like I cannot go to bed. I cannot finish my day until those things are done. But like anything business related, like is purple. And so that's, yeah, that was a priority for today. But if it gets missed, you know, no one's going to, you know, go to bed hungry or anything yeah, like that or yeah, dirty. Yep, exactly. So I love Asana for that too, because that visual cue, like, oh, if it's teal, that cannot go, that cannot be punted. Or if it's, you know, pur- purple, that that can be. So I love that visual cue. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. Awesome. Awesome. So um, one of the last things that I wanted to mention is, and I listened to your podcast episode about this and I'm going to link it, but I really resonated with your strategies about finding more ease in your life. So I know you touched on a few of those, but can you kind of summarize that episode for those of us who haven't listened yet? But again, highly recommend that podcast episode. It was so good. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you, it's, I mean, as you know, you kind of put things out there and you're like, I don't know how this is going to land. So I'm glad that it resonated. Um, For context, I, you know, I think we all understand that the last, you know, three plus years have been really hard. I can't even imagine as a brick and mortar, like, yeah, it's been really hard. And in our personal lives, even some good things. Like I talk about on the episode, like there are good things in my life. We moved back to Minnesota. We were renting when we moved here. We moved into a house that we bought. All great things, but exhausting. Like, you know, doing that with little kids and everything, like it's tiring. Um, And so going into this calendar year, I was like, I just, I just want life to feel more ease. Like I want to have more ease in my life. Um, And, but I, I'm a very like practical person. And I was like, what does that mean? Like what, what has to be there for my life to feel like it has more ease. And it really comes down to energy. Um, I realized kind of throughout the pandemic that I would think I was fine. And then I would like lose childcare at some point. And I would just, I would be like teary more throughout the day. And it, I'm a pretty positive person. So it just like took me aback. Cause I was like, why? <laughs> I'm like really melted. And like, of course it stinks when you lose childcare, but like the scheme of life. I had healthy children, all these things. I was like, why is this affecting me so much? And I just realized like, I just didn't have a lot of energy reserves and it is what it is. I mean, there's no blame in it, but it was, you know, I think we can all relate. And so this year I was like, how do I protect my energy? And 
I went through three episodes on that podcast episode. One is just activity level, um, about just not just always, I think we always think about like, what do I want to do with my time, but being more intentional about when do I want to be home without, you know, serious plans. And so that kind of, for me in my phase of life with little kids, it was like, let's scale back on after school or camp activities, um, slash on the weekend though, let's add in some more activities to, you know, I mean, I think we all know when you have nothing planned on a weekend day, it can like really drag, (laughs) um, which I feel like could be some marketing for you, like your clients of like helping that weekend flow and like have more ease is like bring your kids to us and we'll take care of them. But I'm a terrible marketer, so don't listen to me. Um, but so that was one of them is it's kind of obvious, but just really being intentional of being at home more. If you want to be at home more, that can look different on weekends versus uh, weekdays. If you're the flip, I had one client who did something awesome where she was the flip. She, I don't think had kids. She was single and she would like overbook her weekends with social things. And she's like, I love all this stuff. I say yes to this stuff, but then I'm exhausted at the end of the weekend. And so what she started doing was blocking two hours each Saturday and Sunday, um, or whatever days you have off, you could do this of unstructured time. And it was just a visual reminder to future her to not overbook herself and have some breathing space in her day, which I thought was just brilliant. Um, so that was one strategy is just being intentional about your activity level, um, and helping you have energy reserves there. And then, um, one is also, I'm, I'm 38, I have two little kids, so this might not be For past younger me, it probably wasn't less of an issue, but if it is for you is realizing the importance of sleep and protecting it for everything that you have. Um, And so for me, that's really come down to, unfortunately, like not drinking unless I'm doing something social. Um, And I do, while I do social things with little kids, I do a lot during the day so that the evening time when I would drink happens relatively rarely. So I will now not drink for like a month or two at a time. And I I say this as someone who really enjoys wine and having a beer, it unfortunately really makes a huge difference. (laughs) So I talk about that in the episode, but, um, for having like emotional stability and energy and motivation, that's been a game changer for me on that front. Um, and again, I'm not saying everybody needs to do that, but if you're striving for more ease and you feel kind of prickly in the mornings, even, even if you just have asked you, yeah, Yeah. So that was one. And then just also thinking about when do I stop drinking coffee? When do I not eat chocolate in my day? That's been sadly also all the things I love (laughs) are are being sacrificed for sleep. Um, And there was one more strategy that, oh, just when you're um, feeling that like frenetic, frantic feeling, it doesn't happen to me a ton, but there are just randomly days where I feel myself like jumping between things. Like I can't settle on what I want to listen to or what I want to work on or things like that. Um, is slowing down on how much information input we put on our brains. I realize, like, I love, I mean, we're so lucky to live in a time where we can listen to podcasts and have social media and learn all these things. Like I, I truly love so much of it. But there are times where I realize like I'm doing that a lot. Like every time I drive, every time I go on a walk, I'm listening to something, I'm reading something. Yeah, um, I really can't do any task whatsoever without listening to something. Yeah. So, I this so much, but I, I recognize that. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like I can't yeah. sit with my own thoughts for like three minutes while I yeah. you know, feed my dogs. So I totally get that. I'd also, it's it for me, I notice it too, when I'm like, when I'm laying in bed at night and all the thoughts of what I should be doing are coming up, like they're like bubbling up from wherever they are in my head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But also I'm like, oh, these are coming up now. Cause this is like the only time all day I've been laying here quietly where if I go on a walk, you know, I'm walking my dog and I'm not listening to anything, those thoughts come up and I can just capture them on my phone quickly. And you know, I'm like, remind me to do this at this time. And then I like bridge them into my calendar later. It's such a, I'm like, oh, then it would make it easier to go to bed because those thoughts are out. (laughs) So it's just interesting. So anyway, it's an episode about those strategies and digging into them a little bit more on how to create more ease in your life um, to, I don't know, get more ease and be able to enjoy our lives a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so thankful that I found you and your podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. So you talked a little bit about your bright method. So 
Can you share a little bit more about where we can find you if we want to learn more about you or sure where we can connect with you? Well, as I said, thank you for having me. It's It's been a pleasure. Um, if you're interested in nerding out on time management with me, I share a lot of bite-sized strategies on Instagram at underscore Kelly Nolan underscore. And um, I also, as Michelle said, have a new podcast out called the Bright Method Podcast. And if that just gives you a nice taste of what I do. Um, I also have a free program, like a free five-day program, if you want to learn a little bit more. And that's at kellynolan.com slash reset, uh, R-E-S-E-T. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I can't wait to check that out. And yeah. I really appreciate your time and sharing your expertise with us today because we all need it. I need it. I feel like I use this time as like a personal coaching call, but Good. <laughs> I know that so many of my listeners are a lot like me. So I hope everyone found this very valuable. And again, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. All right. That wraps up my conversation with Kelly. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, all of the links to the resources and Kelly's course and her podcast are in the show notes of this episode. So go there when you're done listening to this and check those out. If you have any requests for guest expert topics or just any questions that you would like me to answer on the show, please feel free to message me on Instagram. I try to always respond whenever I see a message and I try to answer as many questions as possible on this podcast. So please reach out to me there. I love hearing from you. And I love creating the content that you love to listen to and that you find most helpful. All right. Have a great day, Playmakers. I will see you right back here on the